Competing is one of the toughest things to do. The competition stands in your way. The competition is fierce. The focus to win must be laser sharp. The passion to win must be off the charts. The commitment to win must be based on something you can't even see. So this morning, I'd like to give you three strategies for winning. For winning spiritually and winning relationally in your life. First strategy. The focus to win must be laser sharp. The most important part of winning is losing. It's counterintuitive. The most important part of winning is losing. Why is it that way? Well, we went over to Virginia Wesleyan and we filmed the women's soccer coach there. His name is Jeff Bowers. He goes to church here and he explained it in his own words. Things that I've learned on the field is you realize that you can't win every single game, even though that you absolutely want to. There's lots of wins and there's lots of losses. And you can remember probably all of the losses because yeah, they all haunt you. You hate to lose. As a competitor, as a coach, you never like losing. But when it comes to losing, you start dealing with how do you handle losing because everything in life is not always going to go your way. Really, it's not losing that counts. It's how you handle after you lose and what kind of changes that can you make, how does it affect you. And one of the big influences for us has been Randy Posh, the Carnegie Mellon professor who passed away. And we talked about uh, roadblocks being in front of you. We used the example of the little kids' boxes and we had our players put them together and we put them in front of our team. And those roadblocks are there not to keep you out, but to see how bad you want it. Roadblocks are there to see how bad you want it. They show you how bad you want to win. Losing is necessary if you want to win because it gives you the bigger perspective. The most important part of winning is losing and what you do with that. In Hebrews chapter 12, we can learn something about winning and losing. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, the stuff that gets us bogged down in life, the stuff that gets in the way, the stuff that slows us down, the stuff that derails our minds and our hearts. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You have to do that with perseverance. You have to keep going and keep going and keep going, even when it's really, really hard. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In the King James Bible, it says, so that you will not faint in your minds, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart or faint in your minds. Because you're going to have losses. You're going to have times that you get knocked down. You're going to have times when it looks like it's all over. 
But the most important part of winning is losing because it's what gives you a much bigger perspective. And I'm going to stretch this out a little theologically here, so bear with me right now for just a, a couple of, of minutes. We know that on the cross, Jesus really won. We know that. But sometimes in knowing that, we miss a much bigger point, that he had to endure the cross, that he had to scorn its shame in order to gain that victory. Remember him on the night before he was going to be betrayed and handed over and then ultimately crucified? He was literally sweating drops of blood. It was going to appear that he lost everything. It was going to appear that all of his work and all of his words were in vain. That was the appearance. That was the way the world was going to look at it. We won. You lost, Jesus. But it was in what appeared to be a loss that there was a huge win for us because he took on our sin. He took all that on for our sake that we could have an ultimate victory with him. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, always caring about in our bodies the death of Jesus, that we might always experience the life of Jesus. Sometimes it looks like, like we're losing, just like it looked like Jesus was losing. But that's only an indicator of something so much greater to come. It's an indication of a huge win. The most important part of winning is losing because it's what gives you such a wide-angle perspective. In his book, Quiet Strength, Tony, Tony Dungy writes these words, I, I figured I had waited long enough. Darkness had fallen on that winter evening, two days after our team's business had concluded for the season. Silently, I gathered six years' worth of my professional life from my office. I was lost in memories. I finished packing the last of the items. Not that much, really. It was a difficult season, punctuated by a difficult ending, and now God had something different in mind. I had been fired. I'd been fired. Where was the burning bush? Where was that still small voice? Or even better, the loud, booming one. My emotions were a mixture of peace and bewilderment with a swirl of unanswered questions. He was, he was fired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay went on the next year to win the Super Bowl, but he wasn't there. He was done. That was January of 2002 for Tony Dungy. And he had, he had experienced a lot of losses in his life even, even before that moment in 2002. He, while he once was on a championship team in Pittsburgh, he was traded to the worst team in the NFL. And then at the end of that season, he was let go. He was picked up by the New York Giants, didn't make it through training camp, and was let go. He didn't know if he was ever going to be associated with football again. He agonized over that. What had all that meant? Why had he spent so many years in football and living that dream of his life. But in February of 2007, as you know the story, he won Super Bowl 41 with Peyton Manning and the Colts. He 
hit the pinnacle of success in his profession. So listen to what he wrote after that. But winning the Super Bowl is not the ultimate victory. And once again, just to make certain we're on the same page, it's not all about football. It's about the journey, mine and yours, and the lives we can touch, the legacy we can leave, and the world we can change for the better. My purpose in life is simply to glorify God. You see, the most important part of winning for Tony Dungy was losing because it gave him a much bigger perspective on life as a Christian man. Tony Dungy found out that the best part of winning was losing because it kept him focused on what he really wanted and needed out of life. Winning strategy number two, the passion to win. The passion to win must be off the charts. Get rid of all the excuses of why you can't and find a can. There's no excuse Four. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul puts it this way. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not Last, You know what's going to happen this evening? At some point this evening, after what we hope is a great game, somebody's going to hold up the Lombardi trophy, and there's going to be confetti in the air, and lights are going to be flashing, and there are going to be smiles all around, except for the guys in the loser's locker room, and they're going to be thinking about how do we get back here next year? Because tomorrow, in reality... The Lombardi Trophy really doesn't mean that much anymore because tomorrow it all starts all over again. The cycle starts all over again. And Paul knew that 2,000 years ago. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And he's saying, do you get this? Do you understand that life is so much bigger than life? Do you understand that there's an eternity? Do you understand that God has something to give you that's bigger than anything you can imagine or hope for? That this is important, what you're doing here is important, but if you only see this, you missed more than, than anything, what God wants to show you and what he wants to reveal to you. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I'm not just all over the map. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I'm not just punching at, at the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul says, let's look at, at sports and let's see how hard people train in sports, men and women in sports, to be the best, to play on a world stage. Let's see how hard they do that. And then let's turn that into our faith. 
Let's bring our faith and our lives together so that we will work harder than that to win something that's bigger than anybody can ever win. And the tragedy is we end up going through life watching other people get rewards and statues and, and trophies that don't last. And we go, wow, look at that. We don't realize that we have the opportunity to play on the world stage for God and for God, what God wants to do in and through us, the church, in and through us, ministry, in and through us, mission, in and through us, really changing the whole tone of the world and the way the world works. When I heard Lou Holtz speak a couple weeks ago, he said this, he said, everybody needs four things. And, and I really like it when a coach says something like that, because I know he's going to give me great pearls of wisdom. And this is what he said, everybody needs four things. Something to do, someone to love, someone to believe in them, and something to to hope for. And that's it. That's really it. Something to do. If you have something to do that God has specifically given you to do, and you have someone to love, and that person you love, a friend or a spouse or a teammate or a, a teaching person that works in your area of ministry, and you love that person heart to heart, and you're doing something together that God wants you to do, and someone to believe in them, and you know that God believes in you, and you know that we believe in you, and you know that you belong to a community, that, that you're important in the, in the fabric of that community, and then there's something to hope for, and, and what you're hoping for is so much bigger than anything this life could give, then you are living with a passion that is off the charts, and you've got to get rid of any and all excuses of why you can't do this thing called life and you have to find a can that there's no excuse for. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I do not run like a person running aimlessly, doesn't know where they're going. I do not, do not fight just beating the air. The passion to win must be off the charts, faith, and life together. Third winning strategy. The commitment to win must be based on something we can't even see. A commitment always remembers a beginning dream of what could be. That's the truth about commitments. They always remember a beginning dream of what could be. When I did this wedding yesterday, this, this beautiful young couple standing before me, making a commitment and dreaming a dream of what could be because they were making that commitment together. Carolyn Castleberry went to Nicaragua just a few weeks ago, and she learned this lesson again in her life, and she wants to share that with you this morning. This past January, I was able to go to Nicaragua with Orphan Network, which Spring Branch sponsors. It was truly life-changing. It was 
so fun to see the kids at Casa Bernabe, some amazing kids who were abandoned by their parents or maybe their, their moms couldn't take care of them anymore, and they have a chance to be part of a loving community and to be given really a future and a hope that they didn't have before. I will never forget it, is a place called La Chareca. Literally, this is a dump. This is a community of 1,500 people who they live in a trash dump, and this dump goes on for miles and miles, and they raise their children in this dump in the middle of all of this. I couldn't believe the hope, the hope that surrounded this hopeless place, because outside of the dump, a little church is forming, and a little daycare center helping to keep these kids safe. And the feeding centers are bringing people in where they can literally see the hands and feet of Christ. I really believe that God has a vision and a plan for each one of us coming into Spring Branch. And even though we might think, wow, I don't fit, how can I make a difference? There is a place for you. And I can tell you right now that you fit in. There is something that the Lord wants you to do. This is home. This is our home, Spring Branch. And I hope it'll be your home, too. Yeah, this is home. Carolyn once again realized that because we've made a commitment, we can remember a dream of what could be if we really give ourselves to changing the world, one person at a time, one place at a time. What you can't ever see is the dream of what could be. But that's exactly what drives your commitment. The dream of what could be is the driver of all things. God has never given up on his dream of what could be. When the world went crazy, he found Noah. He said, come on, we're gonna, we're gonna do something together. He remembered the beginning dream could be. When Moses ran away, God went to get him. God went to find him, and God spoke words to him from a burning bush that turned Moses around and changed everything. He remembered the beginning dream of what could be. When the world became a boiling cauldron of political ambition, he came into that world. Jesus remembered the beginning dream of what could be. When religion threatened to overpower real faith, he founded the church. He remembered the beginning dream of what could be, that it had to be more than rules and regulations and jumping through some kind of spiritual hoop system, but that it could be real and vital and meaningful and purposeful every day in real time. When your life was broken, hanging by a thread. He came into your heart to change you forever. He remembered the beginning dream of what you could be. You see, a commitment always remembers a beginning dream of what could be. And the commitment to win must be based upon that dream, must be based upon something you can't even see. And that brings me to this place in the service where I need to, to ask you to do something. When I heard Lou Holtz speak, 
took a lot of notes, and this one thing he said, I jotted down, and I think it's really, uh, really speaks to the heart of where we're going right now. He said, as the challenge escalates, the need for team elevates. As the challenge escalates, the need for team elevates. And right now, we live in a world where the challenges are escalating and escalating and escalating, and the world just is flying along, and there aren't a lot of stable places to build a life on much anymore. And that's why the need for churches, the need for a place where there's a team of people like you to elevate their game is so very important. It matters that you realize that your one decision that seems insignificant because it's your one decision, it matters that you realize that your one decision is huge and your one decision changes everything about winning. When we started back in early December with This Is Home, I told you the story of a young lieutenant who was in the Civil War. And his regiment was backed up against the wall and Confederate troops were about to come down and take him out. But he made a decision that changed everything. Let me tell you a little bit more about Lieutenant Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. He was given the Congressional Medal of Honor for what he did at Gettysburg. And Abraham Lincoln, the president himself, chose him, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, to accept the Confederate surrender at Appomattox. Back home in Maine, he was elected governor and then re-elected three times before stepping down and taking a position back at Bowdoin College. If you remember the story, his regiment was out of time, out of ammunition. They were just out of whatever it was going to take to win that battle. Under those circumstances, it would have been easy to surrender. It would have been easy to look at the circumstances and say, this just isn't going to happen, so let's give up. But Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain thought differently. And he got his men together and he said, guys, we're going for it. He got up on the wall and he yelled, charge. And he ran down towards the, these regiments from Alabama. And they were so surprised that these guys would be coming at him from the Union Army. They thought they must know something we don't know. They must have reinforcements. They laid down their weapons and they surrendered. And historians say to this very day that that was the entire turning point of the Civil War. That that victory, that that battle of Gettysburg turned the tide of freedom right there. And what happened? One man's decision that he could have said, well, this isn't that important. One man's decision changed everything. It changed the United States of America. This one man who changed the course of a nation knew something about winning. He knew that his decision to act in the face of insurmountable odds was the only way to pass the power of vision into the future. Let me read to you from his diary. In great deed, something abides. On great fields, something stays. And reverent men and women from afar and generations that know us not and that we know not of, 
shall come here to ponder and to dream, and the power of the vision shall pass into their souls. And the power of the vision shall pass into their souls. One man, one decision, changed everything. And so many years from now, I believe this with all my heart, the decision you make in your heart today, the decision to build a church, to sustain a church, to establish a church as a place for people to come with all their hopes and dreams, whether broken or whether realized, your decision will still have the power to pass a vision into the souls of those who will come that know us not and that we know not of. You have to make a decision to win this one. The most important part of winning is losing. Yes, you get the bigger picture of what life is all about. Get rid of all the excuses of why you can't and find a can there's no excuse for. A commitment always remembers a beginning dream of what could be. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said in that one statement, we will win. And so I say to you, all of you, from my heart to your hearts, let's win this. Let's win this. Let's win this. Dear Heavenly Father, you call us into the, the hard work of, of making decisions that, that change people's lives, that change sometimes the very course of human history. You call us into moments like this when we hear your words, I will build my church. And they stand there for us to believe in and to hope in and to live in and to find our lives in. Father, we give ourselves into your holy hands again today for the purposes of winning, winning the future, winning the lives of men and women, their hearts, their minds, their souls, winning a world to know Jesus Christ. Father, allow us to know you deeply. Allow us to serve you well. Allow us to know that you have already won and that you invite us into the great adventure of winning. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. This is Michael Simone. Thanks for listening to Winning, part of our Next to Normal series. Right now, I need you to help Spring Branch make a big win. Through This Is Home, we have the opportunity to provide all of the buildings that take care of so many areas of ministry, from promised land to student ministry to men and women, and across the board with SALT and A2. Everything depends upon the buildings that God has given us to take care of by making a 36-month pledge or by joining our Any Gift, Any Time campaign, you become a partner with God and what he is doing 
at Spring Branch where we're all bringing faith and life together. To make a pledge, simply go to the website, This Is Home. It's on our springbranch.org website, and you can pull down that menu and see how you can make a pledge or indicate that you would like to be a part of any gift, any time. I really need everybody to make this happen, and I appreciate every time you partner with us in what we're doing here at Spring Branch Community Church. Thank you so much for making Spring Branch a great place to bring faith and life together.